Hello, this is Anna from NewsLaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 10th of July. India registered over 42,000 new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, taking the country's tally to 3.07 crore. Today's count is marginally lower than the daily infection count recorded yesterday. The death toll has increased by 1206 and with this the total fatality rate now stands at 4,7145. All these figures however are widely believed to be undercounts. According to the data released by the Union Health Ministry, India administered 30.55 lakh vaccine doses yesterday. So far 37.21 crore have been dispensed. In another announcement, the Union Health Ministry yesterday said that two states, Maharashtra and Kerala, reported more than half of India's total COVID-19 case count last week. Love Agarwal, Joint Secretary at the Union Health Ministry, said in a press briefing that in terms of contribution of cases recorded last week, 21% has come from Maharashtra and 32% reported from Kerala. The World Health Organization's chief scientist Soumya Swaminathan yesterday said that the Global Health Agency is likely to take a decision on including Bharat Biotech's Covaxin in its list of vaccines approved for emergency use. The emergency use listing involves rigorous assessment of clinical trial data. An approval from the WHO will allow the company to export its vaccines. Moreover, it will also facilitate easier international travel of indian citizens who have been administered covaxin niti aayog member vk paul urged citizens going to tourism spots to follow covid protocols and said that it was not yet time for such lax behavior himachal pradesh chief minister jairam thakur also appealed to tourists to follow covid-19 norms He said that they were concerned about the number of tourists coming to the state. The statements came as tourists have begun traveling to hill stations in huge numbers despite repeated warnings about the onset of the third wave of the pandemic. Globally, according to Johns Hopkins University, the coronavirus disease has infected over 185.9 million people. and killed over 4.01 million since the pandemic broke out in December 2019 Yesterday a group of 87 former bureaucrats wrote an open letter criticizing the Bharatiya Janata Party led Uttar Pradesh administration According to scroll in the letter the signatories highlighted Uttar Pradesh's use of criminal charges to crush dissent extrajudicial killings in the state misuse of anti-conversion laws against minority communities legitimation of vigilantes and shortcomings in covid-19 management they also pointed out that all branches of administration in uttar pradesh had collapsed and said that they feared that the damage to the polity and institutions in the state will result in the decay and destruction of democracy itself regarding the extrajudicial killings in the state The bureaucrats stated that according to police data 124 alleged criminals were shot dead in 6476 supposed encounters between 2017 to 2020 Moreover on mismanagement of covid in UP the former bureaucrats pointed out how CM Adityanath denied that there was oxygen shortage in the state 
and ordered arrests of people talking about the matter publicly. Besides, they pointed out how the anti-conversion law allowed the police to file arbitrary cases against Muslim men who were married to Hindu women or had relationships with them. UP is one of the BJP-ruled states to have enacted the anti-conversion law to penalize love jihad, which is a conspiracy theory peddled by the right-wing groups to push the narrative that Muslim men lure Hindu women into marrying them with the sole purpose of converting them to Islam. The group urged that this idea of love jihad without legal, empirical or official basis must be jettisoned. They also demanded that arbitrary detentions and police attacks on peacefully protesting students, minorities, dissenters and others be stopped. They also urged the UP government to stop harassing those who highlight inadequacies in the state's health system. Listeners, as we near the end of the week, I would like to take a moment to remember the two great personalities we lost this week, tribal rights activist Stan Swamy and Bollywood legend Dilip Kumar. At News Laundry, we published a series of reports on both of them. One such report is by Pratik Goel, who documented how Swami lived in his final days. Pratik writes that even when he was severely ill, bail was something Swami spoke about often. Jail authorities were reluctant to provide Swami with basic amenities and did not have the medical infrastructure required to treat him. Read his piece on our website. It is titled, How Stan Swami Spent His Last Months in Jail. Remembering the great legend Dilip Kumar, Anand Vardhan in his piece titled, What Dilip Kumar Taught a Generation of Men About the Brooding Quiet, wrote how he was so much more than just a tragic hero. You can read his opinion piece on our website, newslaundry.com. And while you are there, you can also read my colleague Ayush Tiwari's report on the Narendra Modi government's advertisement expenditure in the media according to the data released in February by Directorate of Advertising and Visual Publicity or DAVP. The data show that Republic TV and Times Now, the two most watched English news channels, received fewer government ads than NewsX, India Today and BTVI. Similarly, in the Hindi news segment, News Nation and India News got more from the government's ad kitty than Z News and India TV. However, these numbers do not match the data the Modi government provided under the Right to Information Act, nor do they tally with the figures maintained by the channels themselves. For example, Aaj Tak received Rs 3.7 crore worth of ads in 2017 and 18 as per the data presented in the parliament. But according to the RTI data, the channel received Rs 2.4 crore. You can read more about it on our website. The report is titled, Did the Modi government give parliament dubious data on media ads? Listeners, amid this battle of procuring ads from the government, the real cause is lost, which is delivering news with the highest level of accuracy without being tainted by any propaganda. It is imperative for us to understand that media outlets that are fed by the government will not bite the hand that feeds them. Hence, the legacy media pledges to serve the governments and the private corporations, and not you. At News Laundry, we do not have to worry about being a part of this battle for ads. We don't want to be caught in the government's clutches, for we believe in serving you, the public. 
It's because of your belief and support in paying to keep news free and independent that keeps a small organization such as ours afloat. So, strengthen our news ecosystem by supporting independent media platforms. Subscribe to News Laundry today. Remember, when the public pays, the public is served. Yesterday, the Chhattisgarh police filed a sedition case against an IPS officer named G.P. Singh. He was suspended in connection with a disproportionate assets case while being accused of conspiring against the government. Scroll reported that apart from sedition, he was also charged under Section 153A of the Indian Penal Code, which pertains to promoting enmity between different groups on grounds of religion, race or place of birth. According to Indian Express, from 1st of July to 3rd of July, Chhattisgarh's Anti-Corruption Bureau and Economic Offences Wing had raided Singh's premises after which the officials claimed that they found assets worth Rs 10 crore, which he acquired through Benami or proxy transactions. According to PTI, the officials also claimed that they discovered documents showing his alleged involvement in a conspiracy against the government and public representatives. Officials reportedly found torn pieces of paper with comments against political leaders written on them. The FIR filed against Singh stated that these papers contained objectionable comments against leaders along with detailed plans of conspiracy and secret assessments related to representatives and candidates of different assembly constituencies. The papers also contained critical comments on several government schemes, policies, social and religious issues. Singh also moved the Chhattisgarh High Court yesterday, seeking a CBI inquiry into the case. Senior journalist Sashi Kumar, founder of AsiaNet and the current chairman of Asian School of Journalism, moved the Supreme Court today against the sedition law. According to Life Law, Kumar argued that the law was being applied in a politicized manner to target those who are critical of the government. He cited the examples of filmmaker Aisha Sultana, journalist Vinod Dua and Siddiqui Kappan, and climate activist Disha Ravi to highlight the misuse of the draconian law. Kumar intervened in a plea filed by two journalists, Kishore Chandra Vangkhemcha and Kanhaiya Lal Shukla. They had challenged the Section 124A of the Indian Penal Code that penalizes sedition. Based on the petition, the Supreme Court agreed to review the constitutional validity of the law. The petition is slated to be heard on 12th of July. Kumar said that the law is not a measure simply aimed at the purported objective since it goes beyond the aim it seeks to achieve. He argued that criminal laws in India could sufficiently deal with matters related to violence, public sedition and security threats, even without a section pertaining to sedition. The center's new cooperation ministry has come in for criticism from the opposition. According to the Indian Express, Congress called it political mischief, while the left termed the introduction of the new ministry as an utter assault on federalism since cooperatives is a state subject. Congress leaders alleged that the ministry has been created with the sole motive of gaining control of cooperatives in Gujarat and Maharashtra. According to the International Cooperative Alliance, cooperatives are people-centered enterprises owned by their members to achieve common economic, social and cultural needs. The opposition leaders claimed 
that through the ministry, the BJP wanted to have total control over the cooperative movement in India. Communist Party of India General Secretary D. Raja told Express that the party will raise the matter in the parliament. He said, and I quote, Why is the ministry given to the Home Minister? That raises several questions. Cooperative sector is related to the economy. How come the Home Minister is given the charge? Unquote. Raja added that the cooperative sector is within the domain of state governments and that this is nothing but snatching of the rights and powers of the states. Meanwhile, Kerala's Ministry for Cooperation and Registration, VN Vasavan, asked the union government to reconsider the move. According to Vasavan, the creation of a new cooperation ministry is an infringement upon the federal rights of state governments and an intrusion into the authority of state governments. On 5th of July, the centre had announced the creation of the new ministry to provide a separate administrative, legal and policy framework for strengthening the cooperative movement in the country. The Supreme Court yesterday dismissed a public interest litigation filed by the Delhi government against the Centre for Closure of 10 Thermal Power Plants in Punjab, Haryana and Uttar Pradesh. According to India Today, the Arvind Kejriwal-led government claimed that the power plants were contributing to air pollution in Delhi. The court also dismissed a request to tag the PIL with other pending cases. Observing that a PIL is normally filed by individuals or organizations to secure the fundamental rights of citizens, a bench of Justices Naveen Sinha and R.S. Reddy remarked that it was amusing that the state of Delhi has filed a PIL against the centre. The PIL sought the quashing of an order passed by the Central Pollution Control Board that allotted more time to these 10 plants to install fuel gas desulfurization devices. Senior advocate Colin Gonzalez, representing the Delhi government, contended that pollution in Delhi was becoming worse and the centre was not interested in tackling the crisis despite assuring the court. However, according to NDTV, the bench suggested that if the centre did not honour the commitment, then he should move in the same case where the centre gave the undertaking. At least 52 people were killed and more than 30 injured in a fire that broke out at Hashem Foods Limited, a food and beverages factory in Bangladesh's Narayangan city on Thursday night. According to NDTV, on Saturday, the Bangladesh police arrested the factory owner for murder since it was found out that children as young as 11 had been working there. According to the police, the owner, along with four of his sons, were among eight people detained. A separate inquiry has been launched into the use of child labour at the facility. The police chief told AFP that it was a deliberate murder. He said that the entrance had been padlocked at the time of the blaze and the factory breached multiple fire and safety regulations. Meanwhile, the toll is likely to increase as firefighters are yet to search two floors of the building. According to United News Bangladesh, one of the injured men claimed 7,000 to 8,000 people were in the building when the fire broke out. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe and hold on during these distressing times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. 
help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel